before my homily, I want to settle one thing. For those of you who may be on the different platforms for you know social media, every once in a while I will see a sort of an argument break out about what you call the last meal of the day. As if we can't find other things to worry about, some will say, oh, it's supper. And others will say, no, it's dinner. Our Lord Jesus Christ settles that in today's gospel. He says to his host who invited him, when you hold a lunch or a dinner, that settles it, okay? That settles it. Jesus said it. I believe it. That settles it. All right. At the nine o'clock mass, we had two baptisms, two infant baptisms. And we live in a culture that, bear with me, is rather Protestant in its thinking. And I know, because I've had to defend it, I know that you have had to defend it from time to time. Why, how dare we baptize infants? It has to be when they're older and they can make the, the long walk down the short aisle and make their public confession of faith that then and only then they can be baptized. I want you to think for a minute. In our understanding, the action takes place with God. God is the actor. The infant is the recipient. And we all know infants, they can't do anything. Well, they can make some noise. They can let us know when something needs to be done. You know what I'm talking about. But they can't do anything. In the Protestant understanding, it's all about the believer. His or her action. Well, let me tell you. Ours is sacred tradition found in the early church fathers, the earliest of the church fathers a generation or two from the apostles. And ours is the tradition of Scripture, if you have the eyes to understand what is written. So I want to share with you what I shared with them this morning, because from time to time we all have to defend what we believe. St. Peter said, always be ready to defend the faith that is in you. So I hope today maybe you'll go away from this Mass a little more prepared to share the faith and to defend the faith that is in you. Sometime around the year 200 A.D., a man named Hippolytus, who was one of the most important early 
third century Christian theologians wrote these words. Baptize first the children. And if they can speak for themselves, let them do so. Otherwise, let their parents or other relatives speak for them. Hippolytus wrote those words in the year 215 A.D. Now, we know that Saints Peter and Paul died in the year 64 A.D. So you kind of do the math, and there's 36 years, and then there's 100 years, and then there's 15 years. So what? 145 years from the very teaching of the apostles. Those early Christians knew what the apostles taught. And then within 40 years of Hippolytus, another theologian of the early church, what we call an early church father, his name was Origen, and he was from Alexandria, Egypt, North Africa, an African theologian, an early Christian scholar. He lived and worked in Alexandria, Egypt. He was a prolific writer who wrote roughly 2,000 treatises. Um, sort of the length of maybe a short story. And he did it without spell check. Without spell check? Yeah. He wrote over 2,000 treatises on multiple branches of theology. He was one of the most influential and controversial figures in the early Christian church because of his theology. He has been described as the greatest genius of the early church. And he wrote these words in 248 A.D. from his cell, his monastic kind of cell. And yes, Father Mario lived right next door. But he wrote, every soul, every soul, that is born into flesh is soiled by the filth of wickedness and sin. In the Catholic Church, baptism is given for the remission of sins and according to the usage of the church, baptism is given even to infants. If there were nothing in infants which required the remission of sins and nothing in them pertinent to, forg to forgiveness, the grace of baptism would be superfluous and unnecessary. So he goes on as he writes, The church received from the apostles the tradition of giving baptism even to infants. The apostles to whom 
were committed the secrets of the divine sacraments, knew there are in everyone innate strains of original sin which must be washed away through water and through the Holy Spirit. Both the whole of Catholic Christian tradition, which came first, by the way, and secondarily, the church generated the Bible. So both Catholic Christian tradition and the Bible teach that baptism is central to the Christian religion. Since we believe that God shared our human nature in Jesus Christ, it is understandable that the church believes that God still touches us through human words and through material things, symbolizing and making present God's own actions. And even though we don't have those two babies to baptize at this Mass, we have God reaching out to us in material things, bread and wine, making present His very love for us. We believe that God takes each of us to Himself in a unique way in the sacrament of baptism through water and through the words of baptism given through the Holy Spirit. Over this 2,000-year period, Christians have used many metaphors and images to express what we believe happens to us in baptism. Rebirth, putting on Christ, becoming a child of God, being liberated from sin, dying with Christ, rising with Christ, being incorporated into Christ's body, the church, and receiving the Holy Spirit. All these images are our human attempt to express the church's profound belief. Simple human words to express the divine that through baptism, a child not only takes his or her first step on the path that leads to God, but also receives the beginnings of a real change in his or her personality. Baptism creates a new and mysterious relationship with Christ who died for us and was raised by God to be the beginning of mankind's eternal future. When you bring a child to be baptized, when you are a godparent, a grandparent, a very good friend, when you help to bring this child to be baptized, Here's the key words here. Assuming you do so in faith. And then I looked right over at those two baptismal families and said, 
not because your mother or your grandmother has been on your back for the last six months and so you finally decided to get the kid done. Yeah, I've had people approach me, say, hey, Father, we need to get the kid done. And usually at that point, I understand that faith does not necessarily reside in the parents, but mama, mama, grandmama, she's been pushing. Yes, she has. When you bring a child to be baptized, assuming you do so in faith, not only are you performing a wonderful act of love towards the child, but you also are committing yourself to work with God. To work with God. Folks, it ain't magic. It is the beginning of a holy work in the life of that child to work with God to prepare the child for his or her eternal destiny. That destiny is to be with God forever. To bring a child for baptism is to take on a very, very serious commitment. You must be really determined to bring up the child as a Christian and as a practicing member. Did you hear that? Practicing member of the Catholic Church. This means providing a Catholic Christian education for that child to help in every way possible. First and foremost, to form a Christian home in which through your teaching and example, by grandparents' teaching and example, by godparents' teaching and example, by older siblings' teaching and example, the child will be able to experience Jesus' friendship in a true atmosphere of Christian love. That is why the Catholic Church holds that the family is so Blessed, important. It is the school of Christian life. It also means nourishing your child's religious life throughout infancy and beyond, educating them in word and deed, and in particular, supporting them as they move through the Christian life, as they progress to the other sacraments, and become full members of Christ's one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Today, those two little ones were reborn in baptism. Henceforth, they will be called children of God, and so indeed they are. When it comes time for confirmation, they will receive the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. When it comes time for First Communion, in that Holy Communion they will share with us in the banquet of Christ's sacrifice. And they will stand with us 
calling God their Father in the midst of His holy church. You know, sometimes we watch the news on television, and yes, indeed, it is, it's ugly. It's an ugly world out there, folks. And it's not the world that I knew, you know, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, 30 years ago. It has gotten mean, and it's gotten ugly. And you watch a bit of it, and then you go, oh man, I can't handle all that. I'm just going to turn it on to you know, a rerun of I Love Lucy or something. And then you look at a friend, spouse, whatever you say, you know, the world's gotten ugly and there's not a thing we can do about it. Oh, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Making sure that the little ones that are in your purview Children, grandchildren, godchildren, nieces, nephews come to understand that their life is not theirs anymore. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And they are to live in His love and His light. And this life, oh, my friends, we're just passing through. Our true zip code is in eternity. Amen.